0: to Hunger Club, the Monday online Bible study of the Feast Makati District. I'm Risa Sing-San Kaopeng, Editor-in-Chief of The Feast Magazine. Let's satisfy our hunger with God's Word. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we want to thank you and we want to praise you this Monday evening, morning, afternoon, wherever we all are. We just know, Lord God, wherever we are, you are there. No matter if it's morning, afternoon, evening, even in our spiritual lives, even if we're going through darkness or through daytime we know lord god that you are always with us and so we're excited again lord god for the revelation of your word let your word come alive for us let your word empower us let your word change us in jesus name we pray amen in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen behind enemy lines behind enemy lines we're still talking about david we're still learning from King David, and I think I'm going to stay with David for a few more weeks. Let me read through Samuel, 2 Samuel 11, verse 1, and this is what it says. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Jacob and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Let me just stick to that passage and we're going to get a lot from this one passage in 2nd Samuel 11 verse 1. I'm going to share with you just three lessons that we can take from just this single verse. The first is that number 1 there is a time there is a right time. There is a time for everything. That's what Ecclesiastes 3 tells us. So read the first line of verse 11 again.
1: In the spring of the year, when kings normally go to war. Wow.
0: It was normal for kings to go to war. There was a time of the year when they did that. Think of King David. Being part of the panel interview of Mike Vinas at Feast Conference, his live masterclass. Mike interviewed Father Reggie Malikdem, Monching Bueno, Sister Mel, our, one of our music ministers from Valle, and Ella Sanchez from the Pilgrimage uh, Tour Office Tour Guide. Okay, what if King David was in that panel also, and Mike Vinas would ask? So King David, can you tell me about what how your regular day is like? And David would answer, oh, well, you know, I get up at 5.30 a.m. when my alarm sounds. Then I have my prayer time. I read the Psalms. By the way, I wrote most of them. Then after having my facial regimen, like what Father Reggie Malik Dem does— I go to war from nine to five. Yeah, parang opisina ko gera. After I come home from war, I rest a bit, watch a little Netflix before taking a shower. Then I sharpen my sword before going to bed because tomorrow I'll be at war again from nine to five. Wow. So it was normal for kings to go to war during those days. That's what kings did. And when do they do this? When did they do this? Verse 11 says, in the spring. In the time of spring, why kaya? But kaya spring? Tayo kasi wala tayong spring dito sa Pilipinas. We don't know that season. Wet or dry lang alam natin dito. Mainit o mas mainit, diba ba? too big o baha. diba ba? mga seasons natin na familiar tayo. But spring, why do kings go out to war then? Three reasons. First, because the cold temperatures of winter, are gone so the weather is warming up but it's not so hot that you will get fried by the sun like in summer so think baguio weather ay sarap di ba yung uh, or or pwedeng colder pa ng konti ba yan yan ang yan ang spring and what else second when winter is over the snow is gone And the rains have not yet started to pour, so the ground is dry enough for chariots and horses to travel on without getting stuck in the mud, without their wheels getting stuck in the mud. Third, it's harvest time. Springtime is when everything is in bloom and it's the harvest time for wheat and barley. So, you don't have to bring so much provision. You don't have to bring food so much for your army because they can just harvest food along the way as they invade new territory. So, there was a time for everything. There's a time for everything. And in those days, when you were a king, you went out to war in spring, not in summer, not in winter, not in fall. You did it in spring. Now, let me ask you. What are you? What are you supposed to be doing at this time? What's your schedule like? You know, just like that, eight months passed us by. What have you achieved in the last eight months? Did you learn a new skill that can upgrade your earning capacity? Did you move closer to your health goal? Hmm, How far are you in reading the Bible that you set out to finish? If I told you before, if you start reading three chapters a day lamang, tuloy tuloi from um, New Testament, from the book of Matthew, all the way to Revelation, you finish the New Testament in three months. And then you go to Genesis and then read all the way to BalaKai And you would have finished the entire Bible in one year. So by now, if you were faithful, then you would be somewhere, you know, maybe... Uh, three fourths of the way in the New Testament. Okay, so there's a time for everything. And while this quarantine has kept us from pursuing many of our plans, it also opened up many opportunities that we wouldn't have had. Let me share my story. And this is the first time I'm sharing this publicly. I've been accepted in a graduate school. Woo! Yay! I'll be pursuing my master's degree. A master's degree has been on my uh, Novena to God's Love for many, many years. It's always there. But, you know, I never had the time to do it. And besides, I also didn't know what to take up. i I couldn't think of what I really wanted. I was also hesitant back then because I couldn't commit to school because my priority was traveling. I like to travel. I like going on vacations. I like visiting friends abroad and whatever, traveling with my family. So, medyo sagaba lang <laughs> pag-aaral. But then, wow, now we can't travel. And it's a perfect time to go back to school because there are so many online courses. So while we all hope and pray that things will go back to the pre-pandemic normal, the truth is it will take maybe 2024 for travel, for socialization, for the economy to rebound to its levels that it was before the pandemic happened. So what will you do? Will you just sit it out? Will you just be content with going to work two to three times a week with a decreased salary? Will you just wait till things go back to normal? Or will you use this time to plan ahead, to plan two years, three years, four years ahead? Are you going to be rebound ready by then? So there is a time. There is a time for everything. Second lesson that I want us to learn, second point that we can pick up from that one tiny verse from um, 2 Samuel is, number two, tiny is titanic. What does that mean? Tiny is titanic. You know, I read about the forensic evidence they found after they um, discovered the remains of the titanic in the mid-1980s. It was found four kilometers below sea level, 2.5 miles. So you can imagine why the ship that sank in 1912 was only found 70 years later. We just didn't have the technology to go down that deep in those days. Everyone credited the iceberg for being the reason why a so-called unsinkable ship sank in one of the greatest maritime disasters of all time. You know, if you watch the movie Titanic, it broke into two, the ship broke into two, and before it sank into oblivion. But how can an iceberg cause a huge ship to get sliced, you know, in half when it didn't even hit it vertically, you know? Siguro kung if the iceberg fell on the ship and it got divided, then I can understand. But this one, no. It ran aground, it ran, you know, on an iceberg. And so the cut was on the side. Scientists discovered that something surprising when they looked when they found the remains of the Titanic, they found that the metal pins that connected the steel parts of the ship, they're called rivets, were defective. And they found that the rivets that they used weren't strong enough in certain parts of the ship. In the bow and the stern, the bow is the front part and the stern is the back part of the ship, they used iron rivets that they hammered by hand instead of the steel rivets that had to be installed by machines. Why did they do this? Because they were under time pressure and the huge machines needed to install the steel rivets were too big to fit into the tight spaces of the ship. Can you imagine that something that's less than Wow, four inches, it was three and a half, three and three fourths inches long lang. Something this small caused the sinking of something as huge as three commercial airplanes from uh, length, you know, length to length, and as tall as an 11-story building. So never underestimate the power of small because small is big. Tiny is titanic. Nothing is inconsequential. Let me read to you this story. Unfortunately, I can't find the name of the author, but it's entitled The Rat Trap. So a rat looked through a crack in the wall and this rat saw the farmer and his wife opening a package. What food might it contain? He was aghast to discover that it was a rat trap. Retreating to the barnyard, the rat proclaimed the warning, there's a trap, and a rat trap in the house, a rat trap in the house. The chicken clucked and scratched, raised her head and said, excuse me, Mr. Rat, I can tell you this is a grave concern to you, but it is of no consequence to me. I cannot be bothered by it. The rat then turned to the pig and told him, there's a rat trap in the house. A rat trap in the house! I am so very sorry, sympathized the pig. But there is nothing I can do about it but pray. Oh, naman si pig. Nagdasal naman siya. Um, be assured that you are in my prayers. The rat turned to the cow. She said, like, wow, Mr. Rat, a rat trap. I am in grave danger, duh. So the rat returned to the house head down and dejected to face the farmer's rat trap alone. That very night, a sound was heard throughout the house, like the sound of a rat trap catching its prey. The farmer's wife rushed to see what was caught. In the darkness, she didn't see that it was a venomous snake whose tail the trap had caught. The snake bit the farmer's wife. The farmer rushed her to the hospital. She returned home with a fever. Now everyone knows you treat a fever with fresh chicken soup. So the farmer took his hatchet to the barnyard for the soup's main ingredient, yung manok. His wife's sickness continued so that friends and neighbors came to sit with her around the clock to feed them. The farmer butchered the pig. The farmer's wife did not get well. She died. And so many people came for her funeral, that the farmer had the cow slaughtered to provide meat for all of them to eat. So, sinong natira sa barn yung daga? So the next time you hear that someone is facing a problem and think that it doesn't concern you, remember that when there is a rat trap in the house, the whole barnyard is at risk. What a story, right? What you think is a small thing can have massive repercussions in your life. What you think is someone else's problem is unknowingly your problem. You know, why am I talking about this? Because that passage that we read, let's go back to that in 2 Samuel 11 verse 1. David stayed behind in Jerusalem at a time when People, when kings go to war, and that's when he saw Bathsheba. You know this story, right? We've read this a number of times. We've talked about this a number of times in the feast. So because he stayed behind, that's how he committed the sin with Bathsheba. Uh, so it's so important. You know, the things that we think are small things. That's why Jesus thought that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, small acts, A daily habit, a seemingly insignificant routine can steer your life to something as big as God's kingdom, or it can also lead to something catastrophic, and that's exactly what happened to King David. A lustful look escalated into an adulterous relationship, murder, the loss of a baby, and a damaged relationship with God. Maybe spending beyond your means, you think it's okay, you know, you think it's a small thing, but before you know it, you're neck deep in debt. You know, late night Netflix binging or video gaming cascades to tardiness at work, poor job performance, and then ultimately you get fired. You know, a miscalculation, an act of selfishness or ignorance causes you to lose a long time client. You know, very small things, but then it has big repercussions. But the opposite works too. Dating your spouse weekly deepens your love for each other and yields a strong, happy marriage. Disciplined saving and investing from your salary, no matter how little you put aside, it grows exponentially over time. Quick replies to your client, on-time delivery, and friendly service win you lifelong customers. So there are no small things in life. Tiny things are titanic. The big time, the big shot, the big box, all these are what you call daily habits performed over time. That's why Solomon tells us in Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 15, it says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grape vines are blossoming. Catch the little foxes. Why? Because they matter. They can destroy a vineyard. They can make you lose your harvest. They can steal from you the blessings that are meant for you. What are the little foxes in your lives? What are the little foxes that you allow to roam in your vineyard and you don't realize that they are destroying you. What did St. Mother Teresa say? She said, God has called us not to be successful, but to be faithful. How does faithfulness look like to you? You know, it's getting up every morning to do what God has called you to do. Is that making breakfast for your family? Is it going to church or saying your morning prayers? Is it sanitizing your workplace so that everyone in the office will be safe? Is it showing up at your job, even if you'd rather stay home and feel safe in this pandemic? Is it loving your spouse and serving your kids, even if you you know, just want to ignore them and watch Netflix all day? Is it forgiving that person who hurt you 70 times, 7 times, even if the offense keeps replaying in your head? Is it editing the face-at-home videos to stream this week till the wee hours of the morning, even if you'd rather sleep? Is it regularly giving your tithe, even if you can hardly make your budget fit? What does faithfulness look like to you? Is it studying for your exams, even if you're Zoom-weary already and you're getting tired with all these online classes? Remember, God is looking at your faithfulness not your success. We are a people who have the ability to measure success, but we don't give much importance to measuring faithfulness. Hindi natin masyadong binibigyan ng credit yon. Um, wala kasi masyadong uh, nagbibigay ng mga award for faithfulness, ba? But God sees what you do, sister. God knows how you struggle, brother, but you keep on doing it anyway. Even if you didn't meet your sales quota this month, God sees the faithful effort you put into your job. Even if the dish that you cooked didn't taste that great, God saw your effort of wanting to improve your family's menu. Even if your employer didn't recognize the value you contributed to the company, God knows and he honors you for it. Even if people don't see your difficulty in getting up each day when all you want to do is to just wallow in your depression, God sees it and he doesn't abandon you. Even if your attempts to earn are met with closed doors, God knows you're trying and he's using every single failure to build resilience and strength. And that is character that will last you for a lifetime. Are you hearing this? Is anybody hearing this, Hunger Club? You know, I fell asleep very early last night Because um, I woke up early over the weekend because of the feast conference. And I was also physically tired from working out. So I wasn't able to check my schedule for the next day, for today, and for the coming week, which I usually do before I go to sleep. So um, this morning, uh, good thing my alarm went off. For daily mass and when i read my messages before i got out of bed that's when i saw the missed calls and a message from the head of our lectors and commentators ministry Ako pala yung ano, for the 7 a.m mass and what time was that it was past 6 30 and i was still in bed so you can imagine how i was like superman who zoomed into a phone booth bathroom and i came out in my lector's uniform and, you know, I have to confess, I was tempted not to brush my teeth just to save time. I said, my social distancing, my physical distancing, face mask. But then I figured I will be the one to suffer from my own bad breath. So <laughs> I brushed my teeth, promise. <laughs> anyway, I arrived just 10 minutes before the mask was going to start, which is really too close for comfort when you're serving because I usually want to prepare for the readings and settle down before the service starts. But thank God, all went well. So something as small as getting up when your alarm clock goes off is a big thing. You know, we miss a lot when we don't show up where we're supposed to be. Somebody said, Clyde Killo said, The righteousness of God is doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. The righteousness of God is doing the right thing. At the right time, for the right reason. That's what righteousness means. Hallelujah. Okay. And
1: the third thing I want to point out from that one passage is trials are toughest on the inside. You know, we've been studying David, and this is a guy who's gone
0: through epic battles Last week, the title of our talk was Asymmetric Warfare, and we talked about how David defeated Goliath when he was a boy shepherd. He battled fierce animals whom he killed. So let's go back to 1 Samuel 17, verse 34. We read that last week. We're going to read it again. 1 Samuel 17, 33 to 35. We're going to read this. Don't be ridiculous. Saul replied, there is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Can you imagine your 13 or 14-year-old son facing a lion or a bear ay nakakaloka, diba? <laughs> Aso nga lang, takot na tayo. Lion and bear, hello. Diba? This David would be out in the wild. And when a beast would attack his sheep, he would rescue it from the mouth of the lion or the bear. And when it turns to attack him, he'd hold it by the mouth and beat it until it died. OMG! What a brave boy. Diba? That's where he got the courage to come against Goliath. This nine foot killing machine, whom David felled with one stone from his slingshot. No wonder he shot to popularity after this. Hero, siya talaga, right? diba? You know, the battles David faced can be categorized in the basic types of conflict in fiction stories. Who remembers their literature classes? There are three basic types of conflict. Actually, there are more, maybe seven, but let me just talk about three. Three basic types of conflict. Number one is man against nature. Examples of these are movies like Jaws, right? man against nature. Jaws, the life of Pi. Did you watch that? He was at sea for so long. Castaway, Tom Hanks. Who knows that? Right? He was stuck in an island all by himself. The Martian, come on, Matt Damon, medyo mas bagu bagu Matt Damon was stranded on Mars and how he survived in that planet. Man versus nature, man against nature. In David's story, this conflict happened early on in his life as a shepherd battling the lions and the bears. Second conflict um, that we uh, use in fiction stories is man against man. Man against man, you know, like Star Wars, ba? Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader, ba? Batman, Batman versus Robin, hindi, Batman versus uh, uh, Joker, ba? or Superman, Superman versus OMG, sino nga kalaban ni Superman? Alex Luthor, yeah! Ito pa, man versus man. Itai Taiwan class. Oh, diba? K-dramas. It's TSJ versus yung matanda. Okay. For David, this conflict happened when he had a conflict with King Saul <laughs> and then all the other enemies which um, Israel battled against. So, man versus man. And then the third kind of conflict is man against himself, man versus himself. And it never occurred to David. That this would be the greatest battle of his lifetime, not the lions, not the bear, not Goliath, not the Amorites or King Saul or the Philistines. No, it was the enemy within, the enemy. You know, he was behind enemy lines. He was brave and strong and he could fight beasts and kings, but he didn't think he had to go to war with himself. And that's what caused his greatest downfall. Again, Clyde Killow said, sin will take you into situations where you never intended to go. Sin will take you there faster than ever you thought you would go. Sin will take you farther than you ever thought you would go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin always costs more than you want to pay. Ooh, sends shivers down my spine. I entitled this talk Behind Enemy Lines because David, who would go to war to expand his kingdom and his territory, didn't realize that he was behind enemy lines when he stayed home. He was inside the area controlled by his spiritual enemy when he chose to sin. Did you hear me? He was inside the area controlled by the enemy when he chose to sin. We are within the territory of the enemy of our souls, the devil. Whenever we sin, we are behind enemy lines. And sometimes the fiercest enemies we face are at home. And I don't mean the people who, you know, who live with you. I'm talking about that person you see in the mirror every day. Let me tell you this. When you're at home, your guard is down. Tama, mali. When we're out at the feast or we're in church or we're in, in the office, when we're not at home, our guards are up. We dress up, we fix ourselves, we act in a certain way. But when we're home, we have our hair down, we wear our lousiest clothes. We don't put gel on our hair. We don't have to take a bath. We are not ready for war. Isang tingin lang yung gusto ni David, but he ended up sleeping with Bathsheba. He was just admiring her beauty from afar, and next thing he knew, he had to have her husband killed and make it look like he died in battle. He just wanted to stay home at a time when kings normally go out to war. Pwede namang magpahinga, diba? Napapagod din naman ang presidente, ang mga hari, diba? And he ends up sinning against the God he loves. You see, sin, no matter how small, is a force that can create momentum.
1: David took a glance. Then the glance made him want to see her in person. Then meeting her just ramped up the attraction
0: until they ended up in bed. It's cool, David probably told himself, this is going to be the first and the last time I'm going to sleep with her. She's married.
1: But that first and last time got her pregnant. So he had to cover up his sin. Do you see where this is going? (laughs) The little pebble... The tiny thing, the rivet, caused the Titanic to sink. The little
0: pebble falling down the mountain triggered an avalanche that buried an entire village in the valley. You know, recently, the news of a well-known pastor has been on mainstream media. This is a guy who is a pastor to Hollywood celebrities, so it's really sad news. I've personally heard this guy preach a few times when I attended conferences abroad. And when I hear stories like these, two things happen to me. First, it humbles me because it's so easy to condemn. It's so easy to say, OMG, ano ba yan? Pastor na siya, nahulog pa siya. Ano ba? Builder na siya, nagkakasala pa siya. OMG, preacher na siya. ganyan pa rin siya. I can't judge him because I know that I'm not immune to sins like these. And even if I don't commit that particular sin of adultery, I
1: commit other sins that are probably as serious, but maybe not as scandalous. Second thing it does to me, it reminds me to cling to the Lord more. If not for the grace of God, there go I," St. Paul said. "You know I have to keep seeking God. I have to keep seeking God and
0: confronting myself, and I have to keep hiding under the shadow of his wings. And I have to keep on being accountable to others, even when it's easier to hide or easier to, you know, just
1: keep quiet. I have to keep confessing my sins and asking God to forgive me and to strengthen me the next time around. Brothers
0: and sisters, here at the Hunger Club, the greatest battle you will fight is not that enemy of yours in the office whose life's mission is to tear you down. It's not that mistress who stole your husband from your family and your kids from you. It's not against that husband who abuses you and your kids, who beats you up or has taken what's rightfully yours and left you with nothing. It's not this pandemic and the coronavirus that locked us down and has taken away our freedom to socialize, to travel, to go to church or to school, to the office or whatever it is we want to do. It's not the inefficient you know, government officials or corrupt authorities that make our lives more difficult.
1: The greatest battle you will fight is the enemy within. It's a time for war. It's a time for war. And if we want to win this war, we gotta do the inside job. It's an inside job of fighting this epic battle with our own selves. Amen. Amen. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy
0: Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you. For tonight's message, thank you for the reminder, Lord God, that small things are important, that tiny things are titanic, that a pebble can cause an avalanche, that a rivet can sink a titanic. Lord, we pray that you may keep us watchful, that you may keep us aware, that you may keep us vigilant of the enemy within. Help us to fight our battles by your grace, Lord, and help us to start with ourselves. Help us to be true disciples, disciplined in our schedules, disciplined in our thought life, in our word life, disciplined in the things that you want us to do. I pray for all of my brothers and sisters here at The Hunger Club. Again, I pray for protection, for blessing, for providence, for open doors, Lord God. Open the doors that need to be opened and shut the doors that need to be shut in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If this teaching has blessed you, we invite you to join us every Monday at 8 p.m. Philippine time on my Facebook page or live on YouTube at Feast Makati District. You can also keep the cycle of generosity going by supporting the Feast Makati District. Simply go to www.myfeastoffering1.com